0: Dr. Ian Clacher, welcome to this AHC podcast. It's great to have you with us. You're based at Leeds University, the business school. When I looked at your biography, you've got a very long title, so you're involved in lots of different things. What is your role?
1: My main role is to be a researcher around sort of all things financing and particularly around retirement savings. And most recently in the university, I've led the development of the Centre for Financial Technology and Innovation.
0: On a day-to-day basis, is much of your time spent in teaching and with undergraduates and postgraduates, or are you out there as an influencer, thought leader in the financial technology services industry?
1: I would like to think I am out there and influencing and being provocative and asking interesting questions and doing interesting work, but also do little bits of teaching here and there.
0: Now, your accent gives it away that you're not from Leeds originally. What took you to Leeds University and the business school particularly?
1: So I'm from Glasgow and I went to the business school to do my PhD
0: in 2005 and I have been there ever since. And was there a particular reason why choosing that university? What attracted you to it?
1: Um, originally I was going to be doing my PhD in Strathclyde in Glasgow and my intended supervisor got a job in Leeds and I went with him.
0: <laughs> Very good, so it's one of those things but you've obviously found your natural home there. How long have you been there now? I've been in Leeds since
1: 2005 and I've worked at the business school since 2007-8.
0: So we're going to talk about some of the innovative things that you're involved in and understand and talk about artificial intelligence and some of the implications for the retirement industry. That's a fairly specialised subject that you've chosen, but there's clearly a history there. What's drawn you towards that? And just give us a bit of context as how you've ended up in that role at the business school at Leeds University.
1: One of the nice things about pensions is it actually draws on quite a lot of different areas. So you've got sort of actuarial science, you've got behavioural economics, how do people make decisions, you've got aspects of asset management, fund management in general, and so you've got this really rich area in which you can research and you can ask interesting questions and hopefully improve things. And more laterally, I then get interested in the sort of fintech technology side of things. And that's probably been in the past sort of three, four years. And that
0: brings me to today. That's fascinating. And the pensions industry in itself is both complex and simple at the same time. And you can sort of go as deep as you want to in understanding it. It's, it's a really an educational journey because it keeps shifting. Legislation keeps shifting. New models out there, new instruments out there. Just keeping up on the pensions industry, let alone the technology that's likely to support it, is an ongoing job, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a full-time job, essentially, to to really be on top of it. And what I find is a dip in and out of bits. So I've spent quite a lot of time in the past few years looking at sort of behavioural biases and trustee decision-making, which is quite important for people's retirement outcomes. More recently, I've moved into costs and fees and fund management, which is an ongoing area of interest, and that's likely to persist into the future. And then, obviously, I've, I've started to think quite hard about issues around how technology could support better sort of systems of pensions and things like that. And how much of
0: a mathematician do you need to be for all of this?
1: You need to have... A reasonably good grasp of what's going on because it's a black box to most people so you have to be able to understand at a reasonably detailed level what's going on but at the same time you don't have to have a PhD in applied mathematics to do it.
0: That term black box that you use is probably going to come up again and it's one that I suppose in the term that you've used it in could be both positive and negative but broadly speaking what you mean is we don't quite understand what's inside the box is that correct in that context?
1: Yes, so essentially for some of the applications you might see in a domain like artificial intelligence, we don't understand the reasoning behind what the computer decides and so it's a black box we can't see in it and in the context of financial services, that's clearly important because the why of a decision matters.
0: As opposed to a black box in an aeroplane where you do need to know what's going on inside of it. So obviously want to bring it into the context of the, the pension space, so just give us a teaser first of all, from your point of view, what's the most exciting area that you're touching? upon
1: them. so probably not within the domain of financial services but it might have applications further down the line is probably things like computer vision and so the idea of a computer being able to look at a picture of something and be able to decipher what's going on and where i think you're seeing some significant advance and it has a will have hopefully a good impact on humanity is around medical imaging and diagnosis that is really cutting edge and it's starting to become quite advanced and it will have an impact on individuals and humanity so if you take Moorfields Eye Hospital they've been working with an artificial intelligence and they've been looking at diagnosing issues with people's retinas and a computer's better at that than a medical practitioner.
0: That's fascinating and then you start to move towards the ethics of all of that and the boundary lines which we can come on to but I mean even the word artificial intelligence is almost now out of date isn't it because it obviously denotes computers mimicking what humans do but the idea now that we have big organizations that are sponsoring projects around deep neural networks and the ability for computers to learn for themselves and almost think for themselves outside of our input that's where it's at right now isn't it?
1: Yes, and you're looking at the ability of a computer to do things like think strategically. And so rather than just being responsive to the context in which it's in, it can think forward. And so one of the, the most innovative things we've seen recently that's sort of well-established in the public domain was DeepMind's AI Go project. And that's where you're taking the greatest Go player in the world and pitting them against an artificial intelligence. And what was really astonishing for me, and it's, 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 it's known as Move 37, was this point where the computer makes a move which nobody expected. And because of the way in which Go works, it's so strategic and long-term, a move that happens now doesn't really come into play for maybe 45 minutes, an hour, two hours down the line. And so Move 37 looked like it was an error. A human would not have made that move. And actually, if you watch the documentary, the computer agreed it's a one in 10,000 move. And actually, the computer had done something innovative. It had invented almost like a new style of playing. And the idea that a computer can think like that, I think, is really quite interesting, but also clearly has some sort of scary consequences if it's misapplied.
0: So are we at that point where when a computer of that power does something like that, and we don't understand why it did that, that is in itself a problem, potentially?
1: I think it's very dependent on context, so understanding the why of something when you're playing a strategic game, like go, not so much. It's interesting, we can examine it and all the rest of it. We can start to look inside the black box a little bit as well, but when it comes to something like financial services and we take something like credit, the ability to borrow, The computer says no, the computer says yes scenario. The why of that becomes quite important.
0: So let's take it back to the pensions industry, the retirement space. Are there areas already in use where AI is being applied?
1: To the best of my knowledge in pensions, probably not. I'm sure there will be something out there where... There will be small pockets of innovation, but what you don't see just now is any real large-scale innovation, and there's lots of reasons for that. So if you look at the legacy systems of pensions, if you look at the demographics of who is currently retired and where the the industry sits, then I think a lot of the innovation that you would want to see isn't really for now, it's for tomorrow. And so that really takes a, a, a different mindset to think about what is it that people going through their working life need what support do they need to make good decisions and also how do you then transition them into a retired life not in five years but in 20 years 30 years when everything's going to have moved significantly forward
0: one of the directions the industry is aware that it needs to take is personalization being able to engage members at the one-to-one level and yet obviously if they've got hundreds or thousands of members how to do that as a corporate entity We've heard of chatbots perhaps so are they one way that the industry could start to embrace artificial intelligence?
1: Yes, I think if you look at the the sort of personalization agenda if you look at sort of simplified statements and pensions dashboards The objective of those is something that is more bespoke to you and it gives you access and it gives you the ability to look at your situation in a relatively simple and timely manner. Uh, For me, a natural extension of that is to then be able to do it on demand and do it with some sort of intelligence behind it. So rather than having to go and query a pensions administrator about something relatively simple, you could query a chatbot and that chatbot will be able to tell you, exactly what you want to know it will be able to do it when it's convenient to you because it works 24 7 365 and you're also going to be able to ask it questions you might not feel comfortable asking another person so one of the things about financial services general is there's a level of expertise to it and so you don't want to ask questions that are very basic for fear of feeling stupid whereas the computer doesn't care so you can ask the computer lots and lots of stupid questions that aren't actually stupid because they're important to you but you're not going to have that barrier that human block then
0: if people often make decisions from an emotional perspective and that can be good or bad and a computer is supposed to be sort of neutral in unemotional way How do you provide an interface between the two and sort of give computers with AI a sort of sense of of common sense to deal with people's emotions? Is it just about good questions, asking good questions?
1: I mean, that, that for me is one of the big challenges is humans are not rational. And so the behavioural drivers as to why an individual might want to do something, be it with their pensions or savings or whatever else, it's a very hard thing to really get to the bottom of. So the evolution of this is probably going to go from relatively straightforward chatbot type experience, which is question and answer, where the answers are very bounded and relatively straightforward and it will evolve into something where it becomes more sophisticated. And I think a big part of moving from that basic chatbot version to that more advanced sophisticated one is very much going to be driven by the ability of the communication of the chatbot and how it then portrays information to an individual. Because the idea of just sitting chatting, can you tell me about my pension? And it says your pension amount is this what should I do? That isn't something that people will naturally engage with. It's just typed back to them or spoken back to them. That's going to need visuals. It's going to need interaction and all the rest of it. So the complexity that needs to be layered onto that basic element of chatbot is is, is quite significant. But you can see that as an evolutionary process and that will become commonplace
0: and I presume it's not much of a stretch to think that that could happen through voice activation devices like Alexa or Google Home and you have a conversation but effectively you're having a conversation with a chatbot
1: yes um, 100% the idea that you would be sitting typing in 15 years time I think is wrong
0: so take us forward then to where you see things could be going and are going in the pensions industry in terms of taking on some of this technology
1: so I think going forward the pensions industry is relatively slow and there's lots of reasons for that and if we look at some of the things policy-wise that people want they're looking for simplification they're looking for personalization and engagement so the idea of chatbots that evolve to provide that as a service and do so in a way which starts to maybe combine comms with advice I think is probably something that we could see in the future and it would for me it would be a natural evolution of where we're at today and it also helps with this democratisation of advice people who aren't engaged might become engaged and people who don't quite understand could understand a little bit more and we could support that through some level of artificial intelligence Does blockchain have a role to play in all of this? So blockchain is the sort of overhyped platform on which Bitcoin sits but the underlying logic of that as a platform so smart ledgers is the thing that I like the idea where you've got this immutable ledger of transactions so you could see how much money's going in, you could see where it's invested and you could look at this in real time or near real time i think is really quite a- attractive and thinking outside of the, the sort of developed world where you've got informal pensions so a lot of people on low incomes and things like this in emergent markets where savings not regular it's not frequent and the, the sort of financial institutions might not be as strong, having a platform which allows people to start to engage in their pension in a way where they have confidence at the
0: end they're going to get money, I think
1: is, again, one of the big innovations we're going to see.
0: Will blockchain play some part in the pensions dashboard, for instance, in terms of that personalisation?
1: So just now I wouldn't see it playing a role there, but if you to start to see pensions, savings, going on to sort of blockchain-type platforms, then... It's new infrastructure, it's not a legacy system. And that data that's there is very, very easy to aggregate and disaggregate. So a dashboard for an individual or a personalised app on their phone is a natural sort of extension of that if the technology is applied.
0: And as a final thought, Ian, in terms of the pensions industry catching up, you've already explained it's quite slow in its change of pace. As the developments in AI and some of these innovations you've been talking about seems to be accelerating Do you see a divergence between the pensions industry, or do you see that it has got the potential to catch up? So
1: the industry's got the potential to catch up, and I suppose we've got got to be context-wise. Pensions is behind, relatively speaking, so there is innovation which is so far and away from where financial services is at. But that innovation will trickle through. And I think as people get more comfortable with the technology, then they're more likely to adopt it. And you've also got to think about the demands that are going to come through. So the demands that are made of the pensions industry just now are not the demands that are going to be made in the future because as banking becomes more personalised, as every aspect of our life becomes more personalised and tailored, then th- that demand is going to simply extend forward into pensions. And so somebody somewhere, if the industry currently doesn't meet it, will fill that gap.
0: That's fascinating. Well, Dr Ian Clacker, it's been great to talk to you. Fascinating subject. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. <laughs>